Was that it? <laughs> I hope not. Welcome to the show. Hey, it's just called Two Brothers, is the name of the podcast. I'm Marcus. I'm your brother, James. As always. Indeed. I hope. <laughs> That's a weird signal of an alternate reality. Suddenly you just, you reveal that you're my brother. Okay. How's it going, eh? It's going really well. Excellent. Ah. Uh, in spite of um, being in fire and brimstone. I'm not seeing any of that, though. That's, uh, yeah. it's, it's fortunate for me. I would imagine with the winds and you being so close to the uh, to the coast there that it would have that most of the junk would be blowing you know far away from you. It seems like it, and certainly not happening near you. No, I mean relatively yes, but uh, uh, yeah, but <laughs> I'm not of course, I'm compared not to me. Smoke. Um, I know some people who are near uh, one of the fires. Um, mm-hmm. I know someone else who lost uh, their home. Yeah, we we knew um, the the folks at that movie ranch. Yes. That they lost the whole thing. Uh, that was um, that was a beautiful place. I remember mm-hmm. go, going there with the family and eating Thanksgiving dinner at one time. Yeah, there. Uh, yeah, that's uh, very sad. But I'm glad they're they're okay, mm-hmm. and uh, hopefully they have the ability to rebuild I, I if mean, they should want to. Yeah, uh, I, I don't know. It's it's probably too early for them to think about that right now. Of course, mm-hmm. I don't know. It's um, it's something I've always feared. <laughs> of course, mm-hmm. especially you know as someone who collects f- flammable objects yeah yeah i know i want uh, that's one of my main um it's in my top three reasons for wanting a concrete house sure uh, when we finally build our forever home yeah so that's my my uh, goal is to not have a tinderbox yeah. a literal tinderbox for a home right so i always uh, wonder how it happens because so much of housing is stucco exterior but i, mm-hmm. I guess uh, you know wooden roofs yeah, yeah, the embers can get in any place, and stucco is is flammable uh, to some degree. There's the paint, you know, sure. but um, I shouldn't say the stucco itself. I suppose it is yeah. somehow, but um, yeah, paint can get it. But there's all kinds of wood uh, eaves and right. everything else around. So and trees and whatnot can when they're burning next to you. Anyway, let's move on uh, to something a little a little lighter. Maybe <laughs> I mean mm-hmm. it's, uh, it's um, uh, taking a moment to acknowledge some tragedy not mm-hmm. just a phenomenon that that's happening over there you know what i mean like it's uh, it's touched me in some way mm-hmm. in an indirect way well i hope we can avoid more uh as much loss of life as possible sure me too uh, yeah. um there uh i think the wind situation it dies down every night and comes back in the you know in the morning i, I think it's projected to start to slow to die down if you like mm-hmm. so it's promising never nothing lasts forever yeah and basically. and for those people of the future that are listening this is uh december 10th uh, 2017 the uh fire season was pretty nasty plus the other fire season in california southern california in particular right now hmm. so but directly in los angeles that's mm-hmm. that's not a common thing you know right. fires in the middle of sort of the metro area Mm-mm. especially ones as raging as these yeah so yeah close to home for a lot of people uh, mm-hmm. expensive homes um running up mm-hmm. that, that brings uh, the the reality of you know the california desert to the fore yeah that, um, we're kind of ignore that usually indeed, we were 
we were talking about how it's weird because it had so much rain, but yet it doesn't, you know, once it's gone, uh, you go back to the desert that it is there. And, um, so it doesn't necessarily, <laughs> a, a huge amount of rain one season or even two doesn't change the overall, uh, climate. I'm not saying that right. Doesn't change the overall landscape hmm. to suddenly become uh, fireproof. Sure. Um, we have a, we have, as, I guess it's an album exchange. Yeah. That we mm-hmm. did. Yeah. Tell me about my piece. Tell me about the, the thing you had me listen to. Okay. Well, I asked you to listen to uh, Tritico by Vaslav Nelly Bell as played by the Dallas Wind Symphony. Say, uh, what, say it one more time. Nelly Bell. Tr- Nelly Bell. Mm-hmm. Mm. Mr. Nelly Belly. People as probably didn't the call him. community. <laughs> probably not. He seemed like a, um, serious man. Yes. <laughs> Uh, but I don't know for a fact. I just, uh, his pictures seem pretty severe, but that's okay. Um, he, and his music too is pretty intense. Is a he, lot of times. It, what, it, what f- flavor of Eastern European is he? Uh, is he was Czech. Czech, okay. A Czech composer, yes. Um, Vaslav Nelly Bell, uh, wrote a lot of pieces for band in particular, um, of, of various levels. And he was one that wrote in his style of, um, eh, let's see, this would have been in the 50s, 60s. 70s, um, when he was, uh, at the, at the peak of his composition days, I'd say probably 50s, 60s, mm-hmm. um, contemporary and a lot of blocks of sound, um, not melodic, uh, particularly very, very much into, um, just sort of striking a mood and, um, uh, pitting uh, instrument groups against each other rhythmically, as you can hear in this clip, starting now. Um, and then Stirring. he wrote, uh, <laughs> um, Tritico was one of his, um, pieces for a very advanced level. And it's a three movements, not surprisingly from given the name. And I just, I just love it, especially played by Dallas Wind Symphony. Um, they bring out every kind of nuance that, uh, that is in there. It's pretty great. Hmm. Yeah. It's intense and, um, a lot of interesting moods. I, I love that middle movement with the uh, sort of mysterioso effect, the use of bass clarinet and contra bass clarinet and tuba. Is really cool for me. Right, and then it's just it just has an intensity that whole piece that I love. It's it's um I mean it sounds like the kind of thing that marching bands. Contemporary marching bands really dig. It's mm-hmm. a sort of a show piece. Yeah, type yeah. Band. It's definitely at least excerpts of it. It's, yeah, it's, yeah, yeah, yeah. It might be a it's little a long piece, to do but... it on its own. I, I don't know. It's not that long, but yeah, it's right at a, a nine minutes, I think. Um, but uh, yeah, it could be used. It probably has been used by, as you say, in, is it that in short segments? All three movements? I think so. Hmm. Might be up to eleven. I, I don't recall. Is the second movement seven? Now that I think about it, mm, seven, three, and two, maybe. Or three seven two. Yeah, that uh, that may be right. Ish. Yeah. So you've got an opening section, very in your face, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and then a, a stately middle section, and then um, I don't know. It's sort of uh, what's the what's the third? It's not Allegro, is it? Mm, no, I don't recall the the title. Uh, either way, mm-hmm. insert so, title name here. Allegro marcato. Allegro meaning brisk or lively, generally fast. 
and marcato is to be accented or in a marked style, usually a driven rhythmic thing with notes or beats stressed. Brings it back, <laughs> brings it back around. Um, yeah. So yeah, it's, it reminded me of nothing more than that's uh, that's kind of insulting. It seems like to say uh, nothing, nothing so much as um, Alexander Courage's score for the Star Trek original ah. TV series. Mm-hmm. Uh, written around the same time, so it was a mm. similar soundscape. Yeah, yeah, I could see that. But it's not the not the melody of the like the the theme, but his not so much. But his, his syncopation. His and his mm-hmm. um, the instrumentation as well um, mm-hmm. does very much uh, in keeping, I thought, because Courage uses a lot of brass in yeah. his Star Trek mm-hmm. music. Yeah, and and uh, Nelly Bell was um, was very good at uh, not only a driving rhythm, but then he would have, like I say, blocks of woodwinds versus brass versus percussion, or highs versus lows, mm-hmm. or things like that. He would, he would um, pull those together and rearrange them a lot in, yeah. in uh, interesting ways. Kind of the so. you know the fight sequences. Mm-hmm. Little, yeah, sort of minor variations, mm-hmm. twisting in and out. this clip that i just played uh did i well i've already no i i played it it's it's complete <laughs> i'm not in the loop in the future yeah. you will know so i listened to the dallas wind symphony version and then i found um one mm-hmm. other one mm-hmm. and i listened to that that's uh the dws is that's where it's at yeah it's a little it's just a little um it's more heartfelt if that's possible mm-hmm. um then the, the other one was a like a marching or a like a drum color version. Ah, okay. I see. Somebody, yeah. and, and that's the, that's the, <laughs> that's the image on the, the cover shot. A school? A trumpeter in uniform. Hmm. Now send me a link. I, I'd like to hear, uh, or know who that is. I'll do that. Um, but yeah, Dallas Wind Symphony is a, a professional band, symphonic band, which is unusual in the world. But, um, they play in and rehearse in the, um, the Morton H. Meyerson Symphony Hall where the, the Dallas Symphony Orchestra plays. Um, it is a fantastically beautiful facility and acoustically just awesome. Mm-hmm. Um, I doubt that they had to do much as far as, far as processing. Um, I saw, actually saw a band competition there and the sort of dichotomy of sustain versus being able to hear every detail. It, it, there was no dichotomy, dichotomy. Usually you would have that. It would, uh, a wash of sound would cover up a lot of detail. But somehow you could hear every every little thing. Besides getting this great um, this great echo, and it was fabulous. Mm-hmm. It's a poib. Yeah, so they use that hall to their advantage when uh, when they're performing. No doubt. Um, mm-hmm. So they can they can really um, enhance the music to the best <laughs> that's of their That's a word for it. <laughs> Uh, without without extra um, electronic processing, well, but they the, probably do. But it's um, you know that old uh, oh man who who did that was it wasn't Sony Memorex had that ad of the guy sitting in the chair with his hair yeah. blasted backwards by mm-hmm. the music coming out of the speakers. Yeah, yeah, because it was on a Memorex tape. Absolutely, this is, which is, is what it, happens when you see music live. Yeah, yeah. Is it live or is it Memorex? <laughs> is it live? Or is it a giant fan blowing you away? Oh, the fan. Oh, jeez, they, they can see the fan. Great. <laughs> so um, so my album that you recommended to me yes. was, since you're, you're telling me 
Well, uh, it's you, you had me tell you so. Yes, one of <laughs> the greatest albums ever made, and certainly even more so if you consider that it's a debut. So this is the first Please album explain. by The Pretenders. Self self-titled Pretenders. Let's be accurate here. It's mm-hmm. just called Pretenders. Yes. <laughs> Go on. Hmm. So this is um Chrissy Hines uh band's opening salvo, if you like. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. it is it is quite the the selection. I did enjoy it more than Pretenders 2. Sure. Um I, I Which is listened. which is interesting because most people think Pretenders 2 is just is kind of not as good because it's more of the same. And they were so yeah. uh, wildly different on the on the debut. You know, people wanted some evolution. Mm-hmm. They weren't just, you know, cranking out some rock and roll tunes and then, yeah, well, these are great, but uh, they're probably going to get better. It was, well, holy shit, where did this come from? Okay, let me give you my learned opinion on that. Um, and by learned, I mean just total speculation and a, a particularly uh, noobistic view. Source, as a guy my who, posterior. Yeah. <laughs> um, I thought two was almost a step backwards in um, style and um, the musical inventiveness mm-hmm. of it. Um, one, Pretenders, reminded me of, some, of a lot of stuff that came much later, not much later, but years later sure. from other popular bands. It kind of hit me as, um, especially like sort of the, um, I'm, not, I'm not sure of the lingo, chorus-driven guitars of um, maybe The Police mm-hmm. or Rush and Grace Under Pressure kind of a thing, if you know what I mean. Uh, Alex Lifeson's that's uh, an sort of mid style. That's an interesting connection. Um, because at the time of Grace Under Pressure, um, Rush were sort of exploring some newer sounds that were happening in pop and and mm-hmm. rock. You know, specifically, Alex was enamored of uh, the guitarist for Simple Minds, hmm. who was you know sort of they, obviously they made made a splash because they got to be on the the Breakfast Club soundtrack. Yeah. Um. But uh. But yeah. Hey, plenty of hits on their own. No. No doubt. Mm-hmm. Um. But uh, getting away from you know being the flashy solo player and thinking about texture and yeah. you know, mood and setting and all that other stuff that he does so well. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, that's something that James Honeyman Scott, the second guitarist for Pretenders, did amazingly well. And he's sort of like Chrissy Hind, you know, um, was really into her punk roots, which, mm-hmm. I, which you know, obviously just <laughs> pretty, pretty nascent. Yeah, and time, which came which out was... to me more in in Pretenders two than mm-hmm. than one. Yeah, mm-hmm. which we talked about last time, I think. Right, and Pretenders two. It, it's funny because the reason, one of the reasons I think I said it sounds more punk, even though you know the the first one is really raw, is because of the sound. Mm-hmm. So um, the guitars are more mm, edgy, um, more distorted, even in the second in Pretenders two. So in Pretenders, you've got a rhythm section that is. Almost subdued, but in, it's ex- wait, but, but it's say that again in Pretenders too. In Pretenders itself, in the in the debut, oh. right? All right, let's we should, we should shove aside the other ones and just talk about Pretenders. Okay, Pretenders it, it, it's um oh man now I can't remember his name Martin um the drummer it, it, his drums are mixed to the extremes so you you know it's the low end and the high end and all the middle is taken out. Hmm. Now, uh, so then I'm at a disadvantage because I um, listened to the 2006 remastered version. That's it's still the same. It doesn't is it? change. They didn't change that. 
Okay. They, you know, it became a thing or is often a thing to have a really, you know, hard crack on the snare. Yeah. And they really pulled it back on this record. And the bass uh, is, you know, it's, it sort of separated the bass also in that way. You know, he sits um, just above the the bass drum. Mm -hmm. And, you know, you've, so you've got a, a framing almost for all the mid-range stuff, which is the guitars and vocals. Mm -hmm. So vocals are um, mixed really present. So there's not yeah. a huge amount of debut uh, of reverb, debut, huge amount of reverb. Mm -hmm. you know, very um, in your face, yes. stays in the middle of your head when yeah. you listen to it. Um, and the guitars are strictly mid-range, so no no real lows and no real highs. Hmm. So when they come in. You know, you, what am I thinking of? A, a song like Space Invader, which starts off with bass and drums. I was going to say, yeah. Um, and then the, the guitars start, you know, buzzsawing in. That it, it's really clean and sharp. Mm -hmm. So, um, you know, everything is noticeable. It's not just a wash of sound coming over. It's not a wall of sound hitting you. Mm -hmm. You know, it's, it's all these four people, you know. Mm -hmm. Every single one of them nicely separated in the mix. I don't know. I just, I, I really, really like the way they, they did the debut. Mm -hmm. I wonder if they have wise. a, yeah, did they have a different, um, producer, uh, on the debut? They get, got lucky and that kind of thing, or that, they change on purpose for two? I'm not really sure if I remember who produced it. Um, it was produced by, so Steve Nye engineered it. Chris Thomas produced it and then played on it, played keyboards on it as well. Mm -hmm. Yeah. He produced the second one too. So they just went in a different direction. Um, I, I would assume pur purposely. I would like to see, hear the, if they had a story about that, you know, if it was deliberate. It was just, uh, it could be a situation in a, on a smaller scale to don't look back that Boston, you know. Mm -hmm. So Tom Schultz, famous for taking forever to finish his albums. Yeah. Felt like he was pushed to release this thing. Mm -hmm. Well, Pretenders 2 came out two months after the first one. Oh, holy crap. That's way too soon. So they got, <laughs> they had to kind of slam it together and, yeah. you know, didn't clearly uh, have the time to take their time, write better songs. Uh, not mm -hmm. that they're bad, but. No, know, no, it's, it's really impressive that they came out with it that and, quickly. <laughs> huh? It's impressive that they could come out with something that quickly. Sure. Of that, well, uh, you know, that wasn't just bubblegum pop. Right. Yeah. They were just, they're a kick-ass band. And they'd recorded the first album, you know, significantly before, but. Thomas didn't have a chance, obviously, to really <laughs> work through his mix. There's a lot of pressure to, to get going with something else. But um, getting back to to songs, tell me about tell me what you thought about songs. Um, well, Space Invader was interesting. Um, I was wondering if they if they detuned down, you know, um, on uh, on that because it seemed really really low to me. I don't know. Hmm. But anyway, the uh, Precious was was fun. <laughs> That's good. It's a nice I, I opening, uh, like a perfect opening song. Yeah. Really driving yeah. fast and mm -hmm. and funny. I like the way you cross the street because you're... That's it. Yeah, yeah. I was thinking I, they're making fun of folk <laughs> pretenders, as it were, you think? Uh, I 
That's a good question. I never, I didn't look up the lyrics, so I don't know exactly. But that was the sort of mood it struck. Oh, look at you, precious, mm-hmm. kind of a thing. Am I sure. right? It's, hey, it's your interpretation. Oh man, but if I don't understand the lyrics, <laughs> which is the uh, anyway. So, so I like that one. Um, Kid was okay. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, no, and that was. In, here's the uh, a funny thing about Kid. This is an album, you know, with <laughs> uh, an angry woman on it, mm-hmm. and you know she's tough and fierce. And then you have a really heartfelt, you know, at least lyrically tender song like Kid, mm-hmm. which is about her child. Ah, so you know, mm-hmm. there's. Um, it's both things, you know. It's 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 raw and angry, and it's tender and considered. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. This this yeah. whole album just flows so well. It's they what they makes seem it, you know amazing. Yeah, they seem it's really, really a five star uh, record by um, by a lot of standards. A lot of reviewers. I'm not I'm not a huge fan of the genre, uh, as you know, <laughs> but um, but I am impressed with the quality. Uh, again, as a debut album, good grief, but. Even separating that out, the the production is good. They they seem smarter than the average British new wave band. <laughs> <laughs> she was the American. Time. I know. Brits. Oh, are they? I didn't yeah. even, hey, I got it got it right. Um, so yeah, it's uh, impressive to say the least. Sure. So and the um, you know her being more interested in a punk sound, she is sort of the the, the rougher counterpart to. Uh, <laughs> James Honeyman Scott's more mellow, um, big chord sound, mm-hmm. which is helped by him, you know, jamming a chorus onto everything he plays. Mm-hmm. And far well, be it for me to denigrate, you know, the chorus because I, I, <laughs> I can't get enough of that. Did you wear that pedal out? I'm an Alex Lifeson fan, of course. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Wear your chorus pedal out. Jam that sweet. At some point wide. Um, yeah, it's almost. Uh, it, it's hard to do without it once you get used to that sound. Mm-hmm. But it's nice to have those. It's nice to have that 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 interplay. You know, him. He, he's more interested in a a sort of melodic pop idiom, and she's more interested in you know getting down and dirty. Mm-hmm. So uh, that that interplay. Um, obviously, it was a huge loss when he died. You know, she had to completely rethink how um, her band was going to work. Because mm-hmm. mm-hmm. and she lost Pete. You know, both of them. Pete and and James Jim wow. as she called him. Uh, we wow, we are just about uh, well, we got a little bit of time. Don't get us started on music, folks. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> this this, uh, this could be the uh, could be yet another musical review show. Indeed, nobody wants to listen to musical ravings and uh, two crazed lunatics. I don't know. I do. Oh, okay. I, I enjoy, okay. We'll keep. It. I enjoy shows that do it. Well, we'll keep it then. Mm. <laughs> I need to stop saying um. So, tattooed um, love boys. Uh, Tattoo Love Boys. Eh, eh. Yeah, I, I, I'm not. Again, I'm not a huge fan of the genre, so it didn't really strike me as a uh, thing that I would probably listen to more than zero more times. So, uh, you know, but it's fine. Right. And and impressive. I do appreciate it, and I'm glad that uh, they their um, success is well deserved. Sure. <laughs> so it's all good. Yeah, she proved herself right at the outset, and then never let up. Really. Yeah. Yeah. Just powered through the the rest of her <laughs> career. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, I watched. Um, I think I watched a video of uh, Precious, uh, yeah. a, a, a fairly current two thousands anyway uh, live performance, and they were mm-hmm. they were selling it. <laughs> it was right. it was cool. Oh, I know what I was going to tell you about that. Uh, that that I was also impressed by their use of um, multimeter. They weren't just the the standard pop band, you know, four four and. 
three chords. Ah, yes. The varied time signatures. Mm-hmm. So that's pretty cool. Sure. Kept guessing. So. Yeah. Very, uh, and, you know, for uh, a punk influence band, very overtly skilled. <laughs> yeah. Because, you know, a lot of punk was about stripping away some of those uh, ostentations. Yeah. They don't seem like just a garage band. They seem like trained musicians mm-hmm. that are serious about their craft. Clearly they are. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Right. All so, to the better. Cool. Hence, you know, they could slam out an album in a few months. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> we need something else. Good point. All right. So, yeah. Well, cool. It was, it was, was fun. Did you? I got lost in another uh, <laughs> vocals only YouTube hole after <laughs> I was doing the show notes for the last show, show, show before last, one of those. I think yeah, it was show three. I, show three. I was doing, um, what was the last one for me? Uh, oh, our last show, the Star Wars music. Uh, so, yeah. Yeah, I went down for a couple hours. And I was like, oh, crap. Uh, I wasted too much time. It's so bananas. <laughs> you, you hear those things and it's entirely familiar, but. Uh, new at the same time because it's only one instrument, mm-hmm. you know, voice in this case, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And of course, everyone knows that song. Mm-hmm. So, I don't know. So one starts to sing along. <laughs> Indeed. There's more a feeling. And then you go, oh, that's too high. You get a, when I hear that old song. Yeah, you got you to gotta fix that in post. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so you get up to Brad Delp's uh, uh, range. <laughs> I mean, if you're alone in the car, you can get away with it, but mm-hmm. uh, <laughs> on the stereo at work, less so. Not so much. <laughs> when it's you're stalking. so high. Oh, I can't, can't do it. <laughs> anyway. uh, we need a manager to come to aisle four. <laughs> There's a crazy man singing something. Uh, let us wrap up the show. Mm-hmm. We're at our well, limit and then some. We've sort of okay. banked a little bit of uh, um, <laughs> goodwill, minute-wise, <laughs> good, good, goodwill with our bandwidth limits. Mm-hmm. But uh, we will do it again next week. Something, something else. Yeah, very good. Well, I kind of like this segment. We can um, we can tighten that up uh, a little bit. Maybe not a whole album necessarily, but like I did was just a particular piece. Maybe um, you know if we want to keep on going on that as a sure. regular segment. Oh yeah, definitely. So uh, it's, yeah. I always like. Oh, you got to hear this song. Music. Same me. Same with me because same me. Uh, it, There's no time, bad. no time for okay. complete sentences. Encho, my Marcus, music. <laughs> me James. It just called two brothers. <laughs> that really didn't shorten it anyway. No, it two um, brothers. There you go. At ijc2b on Twitter and ijc2bs at gmail.com. Uh, please, no one steal the uh, the. Um, it's just called Two Brothers domain name. <laughs> Before we uh, get our act together and buy we, that. We, we swear we want to have that for ourselves. <laughs> you can reach us there. Hey, I might hear music. Yep, there it is. This show is called It's Just Called Two Brothers. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's how I hear it. That's that's how, how I mean, that's what they tell me. And that's the way it was. Mm-hmm.